Man, we have a God who can turn it around, right? Come on. I'm not done with worshiping. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not done. Man, I'm so thankful for the worship team every week. You guys just bring it, and uh, man, it's all glory to him, and I'm so thankful to be with you guys this morning. It's such an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to the fathers today. Uh, I am not a father, but I am a son, and that's where the title of this message comes from. Um, I had to describe it to someone this morning, but uh, POV means point of view, okay? Uh, so Father's Day from a son's point of view. I also have to give it up to Seth. Um, nothing beats a, a dad joke on Father's Day that no one understands, so that only he laughs at, so I uh, love you, brother. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. Man, I am so uh, encouraged by all the fathers that I see in here. Man, you guys are the real deal. And I want to also encourage the moms in this room. This message may not be directed straight at you guys, but this is something that you can also take from the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis. And so uh, your job this morning is if your husband is falling asleep to kick him uh, and make sure that he's listening. So uh, you can say, Pastor Austin told you you can do that this morning. So, um, But we'll be in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 6. We're going to go through the whole uh, story of this Abraham and Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac. But if you would you please stand and read with me Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 6. I also want to be very thankful. Like, I love as a church family that we get to read scripture together. Like, uh, sometimes it feels very lonely up here. And so I'm thankful to have a word that I can read with you guys and you guys will read with me. So read with me Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so that when they both of them went, or, sorry, went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac and his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Father, thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, the great father who provides. Lord, I ask... Would you just encourage all the fathers in this room this morning? Would you encourage them to continue following you? To stay their eyes on you and to keep their eyes on the prize, and that's you. And so, Father, thank you for the fathers in this room. As they teach their children, would you continue encouraging them, lifting them up, giving them strength and wisdom? Because just like Abraham, there's not a perfect one except you. And so, Father, would you encourage all the fathers in here to keep their eyes on you? And the mothers, would you help encourage their husbands to be good fathers? 
Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story of Abraham and Isaac. And as we continue to dive into it this morning, would you um, just give us wisdom and clarity on what you would have us do next? Yes, all these things in your name. Amen. I realize I have this habit when I teach or when I talk that I always start a story with when I grew up. So to keep in tradition, when I grew up, uh, I loved watching sports with my stepdad. We always watched Texas Tech football on the TV. We're big Texas Tech fans. We're not Cowboys fans. So some of you guys can be done praying for that for me. Um, but we loved watching Texas Tech. And I remember I was like six years old. And this core memory showed up just recently where I just thought about this. I'm sitting there watching TV with my stepdad. And we see this kicker. And he punts the ball, you know, 70, 80 yards. Huge kick. And I'm like, I want to know how to do that. And so I said, Dad, can you teach me how to kick that ball? He said, sure. So I grabbed my little tiny foam football. We went out in the backyard, and he taught me step by step. You take a step, put the ball out in front of you. Don't drop the ball, but you just swing your leg up, and then you put the ball on your foot and let it go, let it fly. And so we were out there practicing all day, and he said, okay, son, what you're doing is you're getting distracted by your own movement, so keep your eye focused on the ball. You guys have all heard that, right? Keep your eye on the ball. And so I remember that. I was going through all the steps in my mind, and we practiced and practiced. And sooner or later, I was kicking at 70 yards, right? I was the best kicker in the league. I, I should have been drafted right there in that moment. <laughs> so that's what I felt, at least. And so I was like, I got to show my mom. I got to show her how good of a kicker I am. And she's out in the front yard doing gardening. Uh, and so I run out there, and I find her. And I say, Mom, Mom, watch this. So I remember all the steps that my dad taught me. I'm walking through them. Step, ball out, keep your eyes on the ball. Don't drop it, but swing your leg up and drop it on there. Just place it on your foot. And so I'm going through all the steps, and, I, and right as I'm going through the motion, bam. And man, I should have been a part of the Olympics. Football's not in the Olympics, as some of you guys know. But I was a sharpshooter, because I kicked that ball so hard, it went straight into my eyeball. My dad told me to keep my eye on it, so couldn't have been any closer. And my mom busted out laughing, dying laughing, like on the ground with her, with her weeds in hand on the ground laughing. I think as parents, you guys have a beautiful gift to laugh at your kids. Because I laugh at them. I think they're funny. But I remember this, this old adage that we all know about, to keep your eye on the ball. And the reason that, that that adage is taught so much in sports is because the ball is what makes plays. It's what gets points on the board. And if you don't keep your eye focused on what is the game is about, then how are you going to be focused on winning that game? You see, this morning, I, I'm not a father, but I'm a son. And I think I've talked a lot about my dad and my stepdad a lot growing here and from this pulpit and with the students. But I, want, I don't want to beat down dads this morning. I want to encourage you as a son Keep your eyes focused on him. Because that's what I need the most in life. As a son, I need fathers who keep their eyes focused on God and the prize, and that's him. And as we read the story of Abraham and Isaac together this morning, man, we're just reminded that a father is not perfect. God never asked you to do that. He never asked you to be perfect. He asked you to follow him. And to live for him and keep your eyes on him. And so I want to encourage you, as the lens of Isaac, seeing his father serve God. 
And as a son, what do sons and daughters need from their father? And so we're going to go through the passage this morning together, starting in verse 1. uh, Genesis chapter 22, starting verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, you guys have probably heard someone in Scripture respond that way before. Um, But I think it's very interesting because they're not really describing a location of where they are. They're not announcing, God, I'm here. They're saying, God, here I am, would you use me? That's all in the Greek and the Hebrew. Both of those responses is, God, what would you have me do? And I like to picture Abraham uh, doing something mundane. Back in the Old Testament, this is a really interesting relationship because a lot of their relationship came from doing the things for God, sacrificing, meeting with him, praying with him. And I don't doubt that's actually what he was doing when God called him. But I like to think that Abraham had this relationship with God that was so deep that no matter what he was doing, when God called, he answered. Maybe he was doing laundry. Everyone hates doing laundry. I hate doing laundry. I don't know if I mentioned that from the pulpit yet, but I hate doing laundry. It's the worst day at my, at my apartment. <laughs> but he's just sitting there doing something mundane, and God calls him. And I'm sure, like, if it was me, I would have dropped the clothes and said, whatever you need, God, I'm done with this. I'm going to leave that on the ground. The clean clothes go on the ground, and dirty ones go in the basket, which is really interesting at my apartment. Um, <laughs> but God calls to Abraham and he says, here I am. I want to go back and, and talk about Steve last week talking about Job. And he said, how did Job know God? Like truly. Like we can't really fathom it because we have Jesus. And because of Jesus, we get to relationship with God. But back then they didn't have Jesus yet. How did he know God so well? And it's nothing like it is today. You see, the first thing that Isaac saw in his father is this relationship with God. That was so deep that whenever God called, he responded, God, what would you have me do? I'm here. I'm open. Whatever it is, you call me to do it, and I'll do it. And it's crazy to me that that we really struggle having a relationship with God when we have Jesus on this side. What I want you to know, too, is around this time, Abraham was around 100 years old. That's a long time. And he knew God on a personal level. The first thing I think that Isaac saw in Abraham as he knew that his dad knew God and knew him well. And I think as a son looking towards my dad, I needed to see that, that relationship with the father. I remember so clearly growing up, another tradition, when my dad would wake me up, or my stepdad would wake me up at 6 a.m., and I was so frustrated. All the kids know it in the room, right? You hate waking up that early, especially when your parents wake you up. And he woke me up, and he had these flashcards on the dinner table, and we would sit there, and we would write scripture down and memorize it. And I hated it for many years. But knowing that my dad knew Jesus has brought me to a place where I know Jesus today. My dad would take me, my biological dad would take me to this big church in Mansfield, Texas, 
And we would go every week, and I would see him serve and sing and, and look into Scripture because he knew Jesus. What a son needs is a father who knows Jesus, who knows God. Not just to hear men so deeply at home they need to see that. That you are in tune with him, that when he calls, this is how you answer. God, I'm here. What would you have me do? Isaac sees this relationship he has with the father. And I don't doubt because of his relationship that, I, that Abraham had with God that Isaac came to know him too. Verse 2, he said, Take your son, your only son, this is God talking, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. It's a very unique way that God speaks in this moment. It's just different. Because he emphasizes Isaac as his only son, whom he loves. And there's a really interesting perspective on it because I, Abraham was promised Isaac by God. And then by God was promised that many uh, nations would come under Isaac's blood. That many uh, of his sons would build nations upon nations. This was promised to Abraham. And so when, when God says to take your only son, the one whom, whom you love, he knows that this promise that God has put on him is emphasized. And what I love about the story, and, and as you continue to read it more and more, you see this almost one-to-one -one imagery of Jesus. Right? When, when I read that, when I read verse 2, I think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. He's emphasizing this because it's a prophecy. It's a looking towards the future. And he's asking Abraham, listen, this is your only son. And this is what I'm telling you to do. To take him to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I should tell you. Verse 3 is a really powerful one. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place in which God had told him. Man, what an incredible amount of obedience from Abraham. So often I used to think that obedience came from knowing God more, having a relationship with him. Then I'll come to obey but if we look into what Scripture says, Abraham really struggled with this relationship with God because Jesus wasn't in the picture yet. They couldn't be in a relationship. In fact, sin was so big that it, it says it wouldn't be in the presence of God. But he knew that he had this relationship with him, and so he was to obey. And obedience is not the outcome of a relationship. Obedience is the relationship. That out of obedience, he knew the Father and knew him well. And I get that twisted a lot. I think because I know God, I'm supposed to obey him, and that's not what Scripture says. It says to obey God, and you will know him. But Isaac sees this obedience from his father, and not just half-hearted obedience. 
It's full obedience. Because Abraham was, was probably wealthy at this time. He had a big family. Uh, he was very prominent in, in the people, and he had a lot of servants. He had son, his son Isaac, and, and so he probably didn't do a lot of things all the time. Like what I'm, when it says he saddled his donkey, he probably didn't saddle his donkey every day. He had servants for that. But he knows that when God calls you to do something, you're the one supposed to do it. Not your servants, not someone else. You are called to do it. And so he wrestled with this obedience because it was him who was called. I love that beginning of verse 32. Abraham rose early. That just means Abraham didn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. God asked him to do something, and it tore up his heart. Dad's in the room. How often has God called you to do something, and you couldn't sleep? Thank you for being dads who can't sleep because God calls you to do something. As a son, that is so impactful to see the obedience of a father not just played out in little bits and pieces, but fully rose early, saddled his donkey, cut wood at 100 years old. I don't know about you. I cut wood for like two minutes once, and I was done. I said, no more. I'm not, a, I'm not a lumberjack. I wasn't built for that. But he went out there, and he followed faithfully and obedient to the father, and that's what a son needs. That's what a daughter needs is to see their father living obedient to the father. So Isaac saw his, fun, his, Isaac saw his, his dad living out the obedience of Christ. And I'm sure, like, it doesn't talk about all the conversations they have in between, but I'm sure it, it was impactful for Isaac. How can that not be? And how can you not ask a ton of questions? Like, I am not like Isaac at all because I'd be questioning my dad the whole time. Dad, what are you doing? Why are you awake so early in the morning, first of all? Why are you cutting wood? Why are you saddling your own donkey? We don't know those conversations. We don't know what, what Abraham said, but reading over Abraham and knowing how he responds to his son in other ways, I can't imagine he doesn't bring up God. But Abraham was obedient and is continually obedient through this whole passage. Because he says on verse, in verse 4, On the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. By the way, that says on the third day. It's another image to, to Christ. And Aram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb himself, a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now this is the first question we see from Isaac. But I, I'm astounded by that. How do you get all the way to this mountain for three days with your dad and not ask him this before? Because that's where I was at. I was like, man, I'd be asking him when we left, hey, dad, where's the lamb we're going to slaughter? <laughs> and 
And I'm sure this question didn't feel good for Abraham. It cut him to his heart, to the bone, because he knew the lamb and who it was going to be. What he didn't know is how God would provide. But he trusted the promise of God over the fear of himself or fear of what is going on. He trusted that God promised his son that there would be nations under him. And so however God would provide or make that happen, he trusted in that promise more than he trusted the fear of hurting his own son. Isaac got to see Abraham's faithfulness and fear of God. That was so much deeper than anything else. What I love about this story, too, is it doesn't say that he left the knife because he knew God, he trusted in God. Sometimes we like to obey God, but halfly, or sometimes, or with a little bit. But he took the knife, put it in his pocket, and walked with it the whole time, knowing that that was going to go into his son soon from his own hands. But the faithfulness of Abraham was so impactful for Isaac because Isaac asked this one question, and his answer was, God will provide. And then no more questions are asked. The son had faith in the father because the father had faith in the father. And Isaac needed to see that faith. And a lot of times when we talk about faith, we talk about trust, actually. And trust and faith, you, always, you guys have probably heard it before, but it's completely two different things. I trust that that chair will hold me up sometimes. But faithfulness is sitting in it. I trust that my car will get me from point A to point B, but faithfulness is turning the key and hitting the gas. That's faith. And it's lived out. Isaac needed to see that from his father, that it wasn't just all talk. It was, I am following Jesus, and I trust and have faith that what he's asking me to do, he will provide. The faith of a father to the father led to the faith of a son with his father. Isaac needed to see the faith and the fear of God that Abraham had. And it was so impactful for him that he had no more in questions. And what's even crazier, as they get closer to the, the altar, in verse 9 it says, When they came to this place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. When I first read that, like a long time ago, I was blown away. Like I'm 27 years old. I think I could take someone who's 100 years old, Okay. Just being honest, some of you guys might have problems with that, so come talk to me when you're 100. We can talk about that. But Isaac didn't wrestle with his, with his father. He didn't run away. He didn't question. But because of the faithfulness of his father to the father, he had faith in him that what he was doing was right. You see, Isaac needed to see that from a father, the faithfulness to the father. And there were no more questions asked. There was no running away. Isaac knew at this point that he was the one laying on the altar. How could you question that at that point? That when you get to the altar and your dad binds you up and then he's, got, he's pulling out the knife and he's ready to go and he's not really saying a whole lot, how can you question or, or think at that point that this is not going to happen? But he sees the, 
the faithfulness of his father. And he lays down on that altar with no questions. Dad's in the room. Stay faithful. Stay in fear of God. Because the world will tell you to fear everything else but him. Stay faithful to him. Stay strong in listening to what he is calling you to do. It's never an easy calling, is it? It's always hard. But when you stay faithful, your sons and daughters see that. And what's crazy about this faithfulness, and when it's played out, we see in the next verse that God does provide. But stay true to him. Listen to what he is saying to you and follow it. Verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I'm sure he was excited to drop the knife at that point. He excited to hear from God at that point. He didn't know what God was going to do, but then all of a sudden a voice comes to him and he's like, sweet, I'm not doing this. And I just can't imagine the tears in his eyes. Listening to the father and sacrificing his own son for him. Something that my mom and I talked a lot about it last time I talked, and it's kind of interesting how last time I talked, it kind of images a lot of what I'm talking about today. But I've talked about how my mom, one of the hardest lessons she's told me she had to learn was how to love me by giving me back to God. As a son, lay your sons and daughters on the altar to him. I don't know what's going through Isaac's mind right now. Probably terrified at this point. But what faithfulness to see in a father. To see him lay down not just his life, but his son's life to God. I've met a lot of dads, and my mom used to say that she would go to jail for me for years. But the hardest lesson she's ever had to learn was to lay me on the altar. Stay faithful to him, even when he asks you to do hard things. Verse 12, this is the angel talking. Do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold... Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went down and took the ram and offered up his burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide. In Greek, that's Jehovah Jireh, or sorry, not Greek, in Hebrew. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand on its seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring all shall all nations of the earth be blessed, and because you have obeyed my voice... The faithfulness of a father changes generations. 
The faithfulness of one man changed the generations of generations of generations and are still affected to this day. Stay faithful, dads. Don't give up. Keep following him because the faithfulness of a father will change the culture around us. But stay faithful. And through Abraham's faithfulness and obedience, Isaac sees something that is absolutely incredible. And he sees God's provision. Because his father obeyed and he trusted and had faith in his father, he got to see God provide in a miraculous way. And Isaac saw God's provision through Abraham's faithfulness and obedience. Stay faithful. Teach your sons and daughters that God will provide. He may not provide in the way we want him to or in the time that we want him to. Because I'm sure Abraham was praying the whole time, God, would you make sure this mountain is just gone? Or make sure this altar isn't there? God, would you just make this knife disappear out of my hands? We don't know what he was asking God. But he provided at the exact time and the right time that God had designed from the future. From the start. Have faith. Dad, don't give up. It's hard. I used to sit back and judge my dads a lot. But I realize now how hard it is being a dad. And I'm not going to sit here and throw you a pity party. But I'm going to encourage you, stay faithful to him. As Father Day was coming, I was thinking of a gift for my dad. And I thought, what a beautiful gift. And I'm, I got him something, okay? So I actually got him something. But what a beautiful gift to know that your son knows God. Dad, wouldn't that be the perfect gift? To have your sons and daughters know who he is? By your faithfulness, by your obedience, by your love for the Father, by your example, they get to know him. Stay faithful. Thank you for being dads. It's easy to give up. It's easy not to be one. Stay being a dad. What I love about this story is, is Abraham's never done growing He's 100 years old, and I think by that time, I think I'd be done just letting God test me. But he's not. It's never too late to be a dad, to be a father who loves the father, to glorify him, to love him, but also for the sake of your children. Father's Day should be about celebrating how you serve and love him. And glorify him through it all. And as a son, I love getting to see dads glorify him. When we stand up here and worship, man, it makes me the most excited for my uh, children in the future. Whatever that may look like, it's so exciting to know that there are dads who still love God. Come to know him. Be obedient to him. Be faithful to him and see God's provision. And like Isaac, your sons and daughters will get to know him. Father, thank you so much for your love and for your mercies. 
God, thank you for being the Father. What's great about fathers, God, is you didn't leave them hanging high and dry. You showed them what it means to be a loving and true and amazing father. So, God, would you encourage all the fathers in this room that they are doing a good job, but, Lord, would you also show them where they need to take steps in their own life to continue being fathers? God, as a son, I plead, would you watch over them? Would you protect them? Would you give them strength and continued wisdom? Because that's what we sons and daughters need, and we may not voice it very often. But we need a father who loves you. We need a mother who is supportive and loving towards you as well. Father, thank you also for redemption. Father's Day can be hard for some people. For a long time, it was really hard for me. But God, you bring a beautiful story out of the pain, out of the suffering, God. You heal. And now I get to celebrate Father's Day in such a beautiful way. And so I pray for those who are struggling this morning because it's Father's Day. God, would you heal them? And would it be a story of redemption and celebration, not a story of heartbreak? Lord, I pray as we come to sing to you one more time. Would we use this stage as an altar to you? And I challenge the mothers and fathers in this room, would they lay their, their daughters and sons to you on the altar? And would they have faith in you, knowing you are so much better than all the other empty promises this world gives us? And you never fail on your promises. You always follow up. You always strengthen. And you're always near. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you of the story of Abraham and Isaac, one that shows how much you love your children and one that is an image of you sending your own son to die on the cross for us. God, he is the lamb that you provided for Abraham. Your son, your only one son, whom you love, you sent him to die on a cross for us so that we may know you more than Abraham knows you. God, what a beautiful gift. And I pray for everyone in this room, God, if there is someone who doesn't know you, would they come to know that free gift you've given them? To live eternity with you, not free from pain and heartache and sin of this world, but free from the bondage of it, redeemed in it all, God given peace by it at all, because you were near. Father, thank you for this morning. As we come to sing, would you be glorified in our voices? I ask all these things in your name. Amen.